Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, working on a dream. Hey everybody, you're listening to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. This was the podcast where we talked about every Bruce Springsteen song alphabetically one by one, but now it's the podcast where we are in season two in which we are talking about every album chronologically one by one. My name is Rob Carmack and I'm joined here as always by J.B. Clark. You know, uh, we kind of we poo-poo this album a good bit, but... Um, J.B., we're going to build us a house of love! <laughs> We're I've going been to listening build us to it today. And of faith. We're I'm going enjoying to build us it, you know. Oh, sexual healing. We do need a house of sexual healing. I mean, Bruce is here for it. I mean, like that's you know that's a big part of humanity. Sorry, uh, my oh, uh, apparently I have I have an audience that I didn't know I had. So uh, that's the that, that, what. <laughs> Sorry about that. I forget that these doors are not made of concrete and steel. Well, oh. that's weird. That's if you ever wanted. That's what it sounds like right before Bruce sings the song "Working on a Dream." Yeah, I don't know if you remember from the Houston show. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, my wife was trying to put my ten-year-old to bed, and uh, yeah, now that is no longer <laughs> happening. I get okay. very much hear Caroline looking at you just now. <laughs> yep. 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 So anyway, her eyeball sounded annoyed. <laughs> uh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I didn't. I did not make it easier for, for anybody to go to bed just now. Oh man, Pandemic. that is funny. So uh, it's, you anyway, you were saying we poo poo this album a lot. Yeah, I regret using poo poo now because when I heard you say it back, you know, it's not a good word. Doesn't. It's not our best word, that's for sure. Then roll off the tongue. No, it's not good. Not great. Not great. Um, you know, but it it, it kind of jams. This record jams a little bit. It's got its moments. Yeah. I mean that, and I mean we'll talk about this as we get into like the actual structure of it. But I mean, to me, that is the 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 problem with this album isn't it that it's bad. It's that it's her. It's just terribly uneven. You know, like there there are points along the way where you're like, oh, this is good. And then there are other parts along the way where it's like, this is not good. And then there are other parts where it's like, I, I, I've listened to this album a hundred times and somehow I never remember that this song exists. You know what I mean? And it's got all of those things to me. It's like a good, um, do you remember that band Nello? Yes, from Austin. This is like a good Nello record. <laughs> well, hey, t- I'll tell you what, let's, let's do this. Let's back up. Let's do a little basic fact. Let's, let's get the, let's set the stage. Let's let's figure out what where this this album came from, and then we'll kind of get into the analysis of it. And we can do a do an entire blow by blow on why this is the best Nello album that never was. <laughs> so, I met Kirsten Dunst at a Nello show in Oxford. I think you've that mentioned no, that before. That no one else was at. <laughs> I didn't know Nello ever traveled outside of Texas. Um, that's a long story. Okay. <laughs> I saw them open for Sister Hazel in Dallas one time. That that's right. That, that's a that's a folk rock. Hello, Sister Hazel. Yeah. Hootie and the Blowfish. Yeah, you got it. You got it. You got, the Dave you... Matthews Band, but without Dave Matthews. I remember really liking them. I thought they were they were a very talented group of young men. Yeah, man. I don't They're know. A good band. Um, I remember people made a big deal out of it that they were there. Like, oh my god, Nello. Like I'd never heard of them before, but um, yeah. But there were people at the show who were super duper excited about it. 
Anyway. Super pop. And those people were wearing puka shell necklaces. That's I, It's entirely possible. It was at the House of Blues at a Sister Hazel show. It was, so it was at the House of Blues. It's, it, was just a, it was a bunch of people my age and older who had gotten babysitters for the first time in a couple of months. And so that was <laughs> – even though it was 10 years ago, that's still very, very much true. So anyway, this album, the album Working on a Dream by Bruce Springsteen – uh, came out January the 27th, 2009 on Columbia Records. Now, 2009, JB. This is also, by the way, this is a, this this came out like a week before Bruce performs at the Super Bowl halftime show, which is a very big deal. So it's the only, It was the first and only time he's ever performed the halftime show. It's a very big deal. And the title track from this was part of the Super Bowl halftime show, which I, I maintain is one of the greatest misfires in all of Bruce's career, is including working on a dream in the Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> yeah. Nonetheless, that is that it's is still when... such a great performance. And he just totally smashed a camera with his pelvis, and that was the best. It was. I mean, that's when, when was... you're that excited, when you're Bruce level excited, you got to. He was so pumped. Okay, so here are here are the albums. I'm going to make a quick list of albums that came out in 2009. Other albums that were in the in CD stores, record stores, streaming shops, alongside Working on a Dream. So I'll just go through this, JB. There are going to be some here that you're like, I remember this, and I really like that album. So here we go. Beginning with I and Love and You by the Avett Brothers. Mm, good record. It's a big album. Uh, the Hazards of Love by the Decemberists. All I Ever Wanted by Kelly Clarkson. Mm-hmm. Uh, tougher Ooh, through life. Say what? I love Kelly Clarkson. I know she's great. Uh, did you see? By the way, uh, Brandi Carlisle was on her show today, and they did a cover of a um, Civil Wars song together. Oh, God. freaking great! Definitely good. Man, one. that's specific. Yeah, don't definitely go check that out. Go listen. To uh, that. Googling Brandi Carlisle. <laughs> Brandi Carlisle, Kelly Clarkson, Kelly Civil Wars. It'll Clarkson come over right show. Up. Civil Wars. Civil Wars, man, is the most tragic, like, will they, won't they of all time. I know. All right. So uh, I get so stressed out thinking about them. Tougher than uh, tougher Through Life by Bob Dylan. North Hills by Dawes. No Line on the Horizon by U2. Big Whiskey and the Grugrux King by Dave Matthews Band. Wilco, the album. Mm, I love that record. That's a good record. Uh, Backspacer by Pearl Jam. Uh, which was, I believe, the return of Brennan O'Brien to the Pearl Jam universe. So then, um, let's see, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit set self-titled album. Not not quite who he would ultimately become as a songwriter, no. but he's getting there. Then you've got the Fray, the self-titled The Fray album. Uh, 20th cent- or 21st Century Breakdown by Green Day. Battle Studies by John Mayer, which featured, by the way, a cover of I'm on Fire by Bruce Springsteen, which, fun fact, Literally every band ever has covered I'm on Fire by Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, I saw a tweet not long ago that said, you know, if you like Bruce Springsteen and you're in a band, there are other songs that aren't I'm on Fire that you can cover if you want. Uh, but no one's doing that. So anyway, uh, let's see. Save Me San Francisco by Train. I only I only brought that in because uh, we talked about Hey Soul Sister a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And well, you know how much I love Pat Monahan and also hate Pat Monahan. Yeah, it's complicated. Let's see. It's Blitz by the Yeah Yeah Yeahs. Relapse by Eminem. I Look to You by Whitney Houston, which was her final album. The Blueprint 3 by Jay-Z. Play On by Carrie Underwood. Um, I Dreamed a Dream by Susan Boyle. This was the best-selling album of 2009, by the way. You remember oh. Susan Boyle? No. Yeah, she was like some sort of like uh, game show winner like in like Britain's Got Talent, and she ended up having like this 
just huge record career for um, a minute. She had like an operatic kind of thing going on, I think. So anyway, um, yeah, that was the best-selling album in 2009. Then The Circle by Bon Jovi, Lungs by Florence and the Machine, The Resistance by Muse, Actor by St. Vincent, Bitter Orca by Dirty Projectors. I put that on there just for you, JB. I really only like that one Dirty Projectors record. (laughs) Well, I'm talking about them all. And then (laughs) (laughs) Meriwether Post Pavilion by Animal Collective. So, um, yeah, so that's 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 the year in music overall. I mean, obviously, there's like hundreds of albums come out every single year. But those are the ones that uh, come up as like most noteworthy or ended up charting in some major way. So uh, that's 2009. But also one of the albums that came out in 2009, JB. Working on a Dream by Bruce Working Bruce. on a Dream. So the basic facts behind this album, real quick, are uh, Bruce felt a lot of creative momentum towards the end of the Magic Sessions in 2007, and which was obviously our last episode that we talked about. And Brennan O'Brien, who produced Magic, encouraged Bruce to keep writing and cre- keep recording new material. So within a week of that conversation, Bruce wrote at least five new songs that all appear on this record. And so, and just like he's, he's just like firing at, like he's almost like in a manic state. Like he's just writing songs as fast as possible. So Bruce and the band actually ended up recording most of this album during the Magic Tour, just whenever there would be a break in the schedule. So they'd go because Bruce felt like, and I guess the band also felt this way, was that they they were the the tour, the Magic Tour was resulting in some of the best shows they'd ever played ever. Like he he was really feeling like this is like really working. Like we are really yeah. The, the, I mean, not no pun intended. Like there's something magical to what we are doing here. And so we need to, we need to like try and bottle this as best we can. So when they would be on breaks, they would find like studio spaces and go record with Brandon O'Brien and they would lay down tracks at like in, in between tour dates. Um, so that's, that's why it came out so quickly after the magic tour ended, which I, I was wondered about when it first came out. I was like, how in the world did he even have time to do that? Uh, not that I was complaining. I was super excited. Uh, Cause you know, I was a new fan and I was just looking for new material. Uh, right. So anyway, um, other, uh, so other than Lucky Town, this is the fastest Bruce had ever recorded an album up to this point. And he was hopeful that the energy from the Magic shows would translate into the work in the studio. And Bruce felt that the tour uh, just was, was going really well, and he wanted to, like I said, he wanted to sort of capture that. And so this is Bruce's final album with Brendan O'Brien as a producer. And uh, O'Brien, O'Brien, I'm sorry, O'Brien says that a lot of the time during these sessions, Bruce was basically just doing most of the heavy lifting. And, and Brendan O'Brien felt like, an over these are his terms like basically he was an overhyped mixer rather than a full producer like bruce was pretty much calling most of the shots i mean and i as i thought about it i thought like well maybe he's being humble because he's working with bruce Springsteen and he recognized like bruce has a lot of like he he does probably like steer the ship a lot of the time or maybe brennan o'brien is trying to distance himself from this album and uh who knows who knows what's true but that's what he says uh, so the album debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 charts. It sold 224,000 copies in its first week. Critical re- critical reception to the album was, let's say, mixed. Rolling Stone magazine gave it five stars because, of course, they did. And they compared it to Born to Run. Um, and I just thought, I, I, when I read that, I thought, like, Rolling Stone is to Bruce Springsteen as Fox News is to Donald Trump. Like, there's nothing Bruce could do. Uh, that that would make them abandon them, and I mean, we host a Bruce Springsteen fan podcast, and we're not even that sycophantic. Like we're even we're able to be like, this is not the next Born to Run. Um, in fact, Brian Hyatt, who wrote the original review of the album in two thousand nine, now ha- having written a book about Bruce Springsteen, looks back at that review and says, "quote My review was perhaps a bit over enthusiastic, and was one of the few <laughs> raves of the that the album received." <laughs> 
<laughs> so even he's like, I just really wanted to love this album, and I didn't really think about it that hard before I wrote a five star review. <laughs> so that's great, man. Yeah. So those are those are the basic facts of this album. Now, um, uh, initial thoughts, and we sort of talked about this a little bit about sort of the unevenness of it, and it's it's got some good stuff on it. But I, the best thing I can say about this album is that it is pretty uneven. There are songs here I love. There are songs here that I hate. Uh, looking yeah. for a cohesive theme, I would say it's we can hope for better days ahead. Like these are better days, better days are shining through, kind of thing. Um, I mean, just look at the cover of this album in contrast to the cover of Magic. It does look like Bruce is feeling a little bit more optimistic. This is like post Obama election, yeah. um, so like he's feeling a lot better about the world. I think at this exact moment. Uh, so yeah, this album is meant to be, the, yeah. So this album is meant to be the other side of the coin for Magic. If Magic is about systemic frustration and injustice, this album is about all the ways that we hope to repair some of that damage, or, or at least at least that's what I hear. That's what I, I think about, or that's what I think it's about. I, I mean, quite frankly, it's kind of hard to tell at certain points as you're listening, but which is, quite frankly, what makes the album so frustrating. Anyway, that's yeah. that's a lot that I just sort of dumped out there. But like, give me your any basic facts that I missed or any initial thoughts that um, you feel like as, as we enter into this discussion. No, I think you covered it, man. I think you got it. it. It's just that overflow. And I get the overflow from magic. Magic was magical, you know? And so he's, you know, sometimes you sort of get a little bit manic. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes that's great. And sometimes, you know, it's not. And that, you know, that's fine. It's fine to get it all out, you know? Yeah. It's, there's this weird thing that happens. I think when, when somebody feels like a, a certain amount of momentum that they, they begin to have a lot of extra confidence in their choices, you know, and, and they're they're not second guessing themselves as much as maybe they would be if they were not coming off of a, a hot streak, you know. And, and I wonder if ten years of recording with Brendan O'Brien and having got, having done the Rising with him, which won him like Grammys and lots and lots of praise, and then doing the Magic tour and having people sh- just cheer for the new material every single night, and that they're going off the tour and into the studio. I, I do wonder if Bruce was just like everything I touch turns to gold. All my decisions here are right. You know, and so I, I, I wonder, I wonder if that ended up being part of the calculus that maybe resulted in an album yeah. that I think is probably a misfire. Not, not, I mean, not a total misfire. Like you said, there's some good stuff here, but I mean, this is not, it's not as good as the album that came before it. And it's not as good as the album that will come after it, you know? Right. <laughs> and I mean, I would argue, I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves, I would argue this is maybe Bruce's worst album. Behind, uh, my, I, I go back and forth in my head between this and Human Touch, but the thing that Human Touch has going for it is Human Touch. You know, Human. Yeah. Like, there, there's not a song on this album that is as good as Human Touch. Yeah. Which I, I that hurt. It hurts me to say that. You know, because like I came off of Magic feeling so enthusiastic and so just ready to just um, absorb anything that he made next, and that he he makes my my sentimental favorite album, and then 18 months later releases what I would argue is his worst album. That's like that. There's a dissonance there for me, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Am I overstating it? Do you think, is this album better than I'm saying? I mean, I would rather, I I think that, uh, see, here's, here's this weird place where I come down. Like, I think that the ghost of Tom Joad is like a really cool and ambitious project. Mm -hmm. And like, I would so much rather listen to working on a dream than the ghost of Tom Joad. Oh, interesting. Okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Well, I'm not I mean, trying to like hang out and listen to the ghost of Tom Jode. <laughs> I, mean, I guess that's true. I guess it depends on like functionally what it, what is it you're, that you're looking for when you put on a record. You know, like there's yeah, you know, or if if you're just looking for something to have on in the car while you're um like starting off of, on a road trip, yeah, don't put yeah. on the ghost of Tom Jode. This is better, but um for that for those purposes. <laughs> but as far as like hey, challenging, interesting material, the ghost of Tom Jode is like head and shoulders above this. Yeah, but it's like, hey babe, I'm going to bed. What are you gonna do? Oh, I think I'm gonna catch a little ghost of Tom Joad, and then uh, and then I'll be I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> well, say that it depends on what kind of day you've had. I think. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm just gonna finish up Galveston Bay. I'm I'll be right behind you. Yeah. Jeez. Well, when you put it that way. So yeah, the, and I mean, I I say that I don't think this album is without merit and without value. There there are songs on this album that I genuinely truly love. So like and, and maybe maybe that's what we just need to do. Maybe we just need to get into the track by track. And I remember and 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 really again like the Magic Tour like he leaned so heavy into the new material into the Magic songs. And then when he went out on the Working on a Dream tour, he started off doing a lot of this, these songs. And then as the tour progressed, he began to abandon the new material like yeah um, quite a bit until by the time the tour was over, he was pretty much only doing the title track and sometimes Outlaw Pete and. Yeah. And it was basically just like a legacy act show. And like this album like killed the ability for Bruce to like go tour for, on a new album, you know, for a little while. I say that like when he did Wrecking Ball, he he went back to doing more new material. But I mean, like it, it was it, th this album, like he he even says like, I don't know what was going on. Like people just were not at the shows. They were not responding to the new material. And so we just like, like bailed out. Like that sucks, man. You know, yeah. like this is new Bruce Springsteen content and these shows are long. He's got time for all of it, you know? So like, um, anyway, I don't know. I think maybe that's what separates it is like magic is a heartfelt record and working on a dream is content. It's Bruce Springsteen content. I think you're onto something. I think that's it. Well, and I mean, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Well, then, yeah. then let's let's get into it. Let's, let's talk. Let's also, talk about the songs. Like, put your finger over the bleep button. But like, man, fuck the word content. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> All right. JB coming in hot. Coming in hot. Okay, well then let's let's on that note, <laughs> let's let's go into the next uh in, into track 1 side 1 or track 1 whatever. It's a CD. So, uh this is Outlaw Pete. He was born a little baby on the Appalachian Trail. At 6 months old he done 3 months in jail. Here off the bank in his diapers and his little bare baby feet All he said was, folks, my name is Outlaw Pete I'm Outlaw Pete You know, this song's kind of a bop sometimes Yeah? He's just so passionate You don't really like it, though He's, Well, listen, I... <laughs> to quote Rolling Stone Magazine's 1970 review of Bob Dylan's album, Self Portrait, what is this shit? <laughs> I'm so glad you're done with this Bob Dylan deep dive. So I, that, I did just today. I finished so my Bob references Dylan references slowly dry up, you know. I mean, that's that's my favorite open. That's the opening line to the to the Rolling Stone review of Bob Dylan's Self Portrait album. And I listen to Outlaw Pete and I think, like, is he try is that what he's doing here? Is he trying to do self-portrait is he basically just like please please go away is that is that the, the function here because that's what i'm getting um 
I just love anytime my wife finds this kid's book in her house, she's like, oh, this is so dark. Yeah. It's funny that this is a kid's book. But, yeah. I mean, I remember, I, I told this story when we did this episode, when we talked about the song Outlaw Pete. I remember buying the CD and putting it in the stereo in my car and being deeply confused <laughs> by, the, by the opening track of this. Like, the, the last album of his that I bought was Magic. The opening track is Radio Nowhere, a perfect yeah. three and a half minute long radio friendly rock song. This is Hey, none both of them, though, are like, I, I cry, like, can you hear me? Both of them are literally the same. They're kind of the same exact song. Except one is good. And one is out. And one's about a big Robin baby. Yeah. So it, and I mean, (laughs) in his defense, Bruce has acknowledged that this song is a little bit cartoonish. In fact, he compares it to Rocky raccoon by the Beatles. And I mean, it starts with a a baby in diapers, robbing a bank. Clearly there is, there is a tongue in cheek aspect to this, but it ends as a story about a man who cannot escape his own fate. So it kind of, it becomes a lot more serious than it begins. But so in an interview with Rolling Stone magazine, of course, obviously, like again, Fox News, like it's it's the it's the Fox News of Bruce Springsteen world. <laughs> so uh, Bruce in in the interview with Rolling Stone, Bruce says, "quote We all have to reckon with our own history because history catches up with you. That's not what what's happening over, or that's not what was happening over the past eight years in the United States. Or I'm sorry, excuse me. That's what was not happening." Over the past eight years in the United States, that's not that not knowing that arrogance that led to thousands of people dying and the country having a complete financial nervous breakdown. If you do not reckon with your own history, it eats you. And if you have that level of authority, then it eats us, which I mean, good Lord, that is about right now. You know, and so basically, like we have all these yeah. like skeletons in our closet and we've re- and we've elected to not deal with them. And now it is. um it's consuming us as a society. And so this song is sort of about that, about like basically like the, the things that we, um, the things that happened earlier in our story don't just go away because they were a long time ago. Like they, they remain with us in one way or another. So like outlaw Pete remains outlaw Pete, regardless of how much he doesn't want to be outlaw Pete anymore. You know? Yeah. To be generous to this song, it is a natural follow-up to magic. It's it's Bruce's way of saying, yes, we seem to be turning a corner, but we have a lot of baggage that we still have to deal with. Electing a new president doesn't exonerate us of everything that's happened before now. We still have to we still have to live in the world that we created. In that there's a lot of things that are really messed up in that world. So weirdly, I, I I do kind of like what he's trying to say. I think it's a necessary thing to say. I just don't really know if outlaw Pete was the most effective way of saying it. Um in fact, Brendan O'Brien, producer of this album, says, quote, I can't say I connected with Outlaw Pete the same way Bruce did. <laughs> and I'm and I'm certain I would not have put that song first on the record, but he was committed to that. And God bless him. He had a vision for that song, and it was my job to help him make that happen. And I felt like we did that. You know, like one day they were up there late and maybe like Bruce had had a whiskey and Brennan's like, you sure about this one? And he turns around and he goes, listen here. And he grabs him by the shirt collar and corners him real uncomfortably. And he goes, Outlaw Pete's important because it's about a little baby who's seen a lot. (laughs) And that little baby is somebody I know. And that little baby is somebody I love. And that little baby is you. And that little baby is me. (laughs) And Brandon O'Brien was just like, yes, sir. There you said the little baby is America. America. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. What? Uh, just for you right there yeah so yeah so apparently and i mean i gotta say i fully agree with brendan o'brien like they're like pick any other song on this album and it would have been a better opening track i think i would feel a lot better about outlaw pete if it was like track eight 
you know, if it was if it was positioned later in the album after like it's it's sort of like a like a hot tub, you know, like you don't want to get in and scald yourself right away. You want to you got to ease your way into this thing. Like if you if he had opened with Lucky Day or or the title track, shoot. We're, I mean, I don't like the song Working on a Dream, but it's a better opening track than this. You know, you you got to you got to set the table a little bit more appropriately. You cannot throw us into the deep end. If you want new people to discover your music after doing the Super Bowl halftime show, you can't let track 1 be an 8-minute long song about a bank robbing baby named Outlaw Pete. But end of it's rant. 8 minutes that takes itself musically very seriously. Yes, it does. It is a journey. It's like it's like a really epic tenacious D song. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't all in Tenacious that, like, D songs really it's epic? It's musically important, but lyrically, it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's another good point. The, the, musically, it's it's an impressive composition. It is not it is not right. slapped together. Outlaw Pete's an incredible song, sort of. <laughs> it just yeah, like I said, like I think it, it's a more interesting song. Takes lyrics out, and this could have been on like the tribute to an, uh, Inicio Morricone. Uh, I just butchered his name. Inicio Morricone. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, this this song could have been on that like tribute record, take yeah. the lyrics off. <laughs> yeah. So so I I I I understand the case for this song. I don't I don't hate it as much as I hate another song on this record. Um yeah. but I don't think it's a good track one. I th- I think this is this is ma- other than maybe Ain't Got You. I think this is Bruce's biggest track one side one misfire. Mhm. I don't know. Can you yeah. think of one? Well, can... I, I agree. Like, it doesn't set a great stage lyrically. I love it. I love it. But I I, I can't defend it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I get that. Yeah. Well, I mean, this the song, I, it's such a long song. Do we, I, I feel like we owe it more time. Do we need to give it more time? No. All right. Well, then track two is a much shorter song. This is this is what you would more expect to hear it when you turn on a Bruce Springsteen song, which is My Lucky Day. follow up magic you know i wonder if his, his concern for that would have been like oh people are just gonna think i'm doing magic again because there, there are a lot of like sonically there's some similarities here between this and radio nowhere he the whole point of this record was that he was just doing magic again i mean he just yeah really goofed that would have been that would have been so much better yeah if you, i mean really i think i think this is a much better album if you if you retrack it i think if you leave it's all the songs song. on it yeah um yeah I, I think my lucky day would have been a yeah, yeah. Take Outlaw Pete off of track one, move it down to the bottom of the record. Make My Lucky Day track one, and working on a dream track two. I think that already you're setting you're setting yourself up for, at, at the very least, for new listeners to not be exhausted before they get to the yeah. second. Yeah, and then you can do like What Love Can Do, Kingdom of Days, and then you can like toss in Good Eye. Yeah, well, you I know, know you love. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, well, I love it, but I, I don't, I can't defend again. I love it, but I can't defend it. I mean, that that could be that could be what we say about this whole record, right? Like even the stuff I love, I'm not sure I can defend it. It's but, like that friend who's like, do you trust me? And you're like, absolutely. And he's like, can I date your sister? And you're like, absolutely not. I will murder you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's a great song. Can't defend it. 
so I mean, I love this. I unapologetically love this song. This is a great rock song. This is this is what I wanted this album to yeah. sound like. Like I got through Outlaw Pete yeah. sitting in my car, and I was like, "What the hell?" And then we got to this song, and I was like, oh, "Okay, oh thank God." <laughs> there, there's like we're we're back to we're back to okay now. Um, so Bruce yeah. wrote this song because Patty kept giving him a hard time for not having enough love songs. In fact, Bruce told Joe Levy, "Quote Patty, she's always teasing me. You don't have that many love songs. I wrote the love. I, I wrote, I wrote the love songs. I wrote Lucky Town." <laughs> That was his response. So he wrote this song basically to be like, "Here, here's another love song." So <laughs> I wrote "Lucky," I wrote "Lucky Town." I wrote I "Lucky Town." Record. For God's sakes! So this song was recorded all at once, and the band is was given a lot of freedom here, and um, and which is interesting. Uh, like, the drums are incredible. I was gonna, I was just about to say, Max has said they. This is a quote. He says, "They told me to go to town. I, I got to do all these crazy little fills, and they're not even fills. They're just like rhythmic permeations within the context of a rock song that is not easy to do and not very often called upon to do. So basically, they were just like, "Let's play the song. Everybody just do whatever feels right in the like in the process." And Max is like, "Okay," and, and so he like creates this kind of awesome world inside the drum part of the song. Yeah, he's got this sort of like it's not a fill, but it's like you know he's got a a double like sort of syncopated snare hit every four bars. But he never quite gets it the same every time. He always kind of – it's fun. You know, it's like really fun. It's either got maybe a half rest in between the two notes or it's like a, a dotted eighth with like a whole rest – I mean a quarter rest and then a quarter – you know, it's like – it's just a fun snare. It's perfect. It's all throughout the record. Um, and he's just doing like a shaker situation or somebody is the whole way through. It's The bass is great. But yeah, Max is just – He's really exploring some stuff, but he's not straying too far from home base. It's it's really cool. I I, I mean, again, I I'm really surprised that they didn't make this track one and make it the lead single. You know, like I, the title track was the I think was the lead single off this record. I mean, obviously yeah. it was the one they did at the Super Bowl. If he had done if he had done My Lucky Day at the Super Bowl, it would have been more high energy. It would have been more fun. It would have been shorter, and it would have could have got the edge to come do that guitar part. Well, that would have been awesome, um, and and I, I mean th- this this could have been the radio nowhere of this album. You know, this yeah. could have been this could have been a lead single, and not only well, did this not technically outlaw Pete is the radio nowhere of this album. He shouts, "Can you hear me?" over and over and over. I mean, I'm saying it could have been. Well, um, then he would he would have to not shout, "Can you hear me?" on outlaw Pete. Bruce can shout, "Can you hear me?" whenever the hell he wants to. <laughs> You're right. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, and he didn't even do this song that much on the tour. Like this could have been, I don't like this, this, I, this feels to me like, I mean, we say this a lot, but in the hands of any other musician, they're like, this is the best song I've ever written, you know? And that they just couldn't get any traction with this is amazing to me, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. I don't There's, there's so much that confuses me about this album. Anyway, this it's, it's a great, song it's a it's a really good rock song this is outlaw pete is everything i didn't want the album to be and my lucky day is everything i did want the album to be so now if i'm sitting yeah. there listening to it for the first time by the end of this song i'm like i have no idea what to, what i'm getting now like the, the the rest of this album is a full-blown mystery to me which is maybe what he wanted i don't know so then we go to yeah. track three which is the title track which is working on a dream out here the nights are long the days are lonely i think of I'm working on a dream I'm working on a dream Yeah, the cards I've drawn It's rough and 
Yeah, working on a dream. I'm trying to figure out. It sounds like a Death Cab for Cutie song, and I can't remember which one. And I'm tr- I'm trying to figure that out right I think, now. If you go back to your notes from when we talked about it, I think you mentioned this before. Did I? That sounds. It sounds like Soul Meets we did. Body. Okay. It sounds just like the song Soul Meets Body, like the first three seconds. JB, I hate this song. The song sucks. I know you do. It's super cheesy. I hate it. It's, I think. I think when I when we did our episode on it, I think I said that this is I this is my least favorite song Bruce ever wrote. Oh my gosh, dude! This sounds way too much like uh, this came out after that record too. The Death Cab for Cutie song. Yeah. Oh, I said, it's not my least favorite song Bruce ever. Bruce wrote "Night with the Jersey Devil." And that's that's a pretty terrible song. But um, also came out of the, these sessions, by the way. "Night with the Jersey Devil" is an outtake from these sessions. Yeesh. Yeah, but this one is it's a real stinker. On it's bad, this, man. This record. Well, and he so badly wanted to make this song happen. Like, like he said, he did it at the Super Bowl. He does like this is the only song from the album that he literally does every single night of this tour. And he's got that whole spiel that I m- mocked a little bit earlier before. And I, I, I so deeply appreciate what he's trying to say here. And I appreciate that he sees this as like the symbolic anthem of the new era in which Barack Obama's the president, and we're done with the Bush era, and we can maybe begin to rebuild the um, America that Bruce always hoped we could be. I understand that. It's just, it's so on the nose and it's just so syrupy and it just so, it, it, it is not subtle in any way at all. And I just, I don't like it. I, I, I just don't. Um, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I mean, and again, like if we're, if we're trying to figure out like what the, the theme of the album is, this song states the album's theme outright. It's the thesis of the whole song. It requires no parsing because it's all right there on the surface. We're building a better world together. That's the point of the song. And again, I like I like that idea. I just feel like this is Bruce Springsteen. He, he should be able to say this in a less like cheesy, obvious way, you know? Anyway, yeah, that, those are my... <laughs> la la. La la la. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and I realize that I just said, like, this would have been a better opening track than Outlaw Pete. I, I think Outlaw Pete is a better song. But this song, I think, at the, at the very least, it's shorter. It, Bruce was trying to get it played on the radio. And it is, it is the thesis statement of the album. And while I don't like it, it, it is more representative of what this album is trying to do than Outlaw Pete. But don't you love the whistle guitar solo? Of Outlaw Pete? No, of working on a dream. Oh, the Andy Griffith theme song in the bit in the middle, with the with the really low like crunchy guitar, no. single string. There is not a thing about this song that I like. Oh, I love that. Uh, I I don't even I like love the Roy Orbison vocals. Like a really pretty sound with like a really nasty crunchy guitar. Yeah. Juxtaposition, man. Live for it. Yeah, this this begins uh, a two song stretch where he's doing some Roy Orbison vocals. Um, yeah, which leads us to track four, which is Queen of the Supermarket. There's a wonderful world where all you desire and everything you've longed for is at your fingertips, where the bittersweet taste of life is at your lips, where aisles and Yeah, let's move right on. You hate this song, and you like going to the supermarket a whole lot. Isn't that weird? This I realize is one like, of the songs that you lobbied the hardest for. 
I'm gonna change my rating on. I, I realize I am I am a contrarian about about this in the, in the most severe way. I realize Queen, what I said, everything I said about working on a dream are other are things that other people have not incorrectly said about Queen of the Supermarket. People hate Queen of the Supermarket. If it, Bruce once played this song um, at a like at a sound check for like a pre-show audience, I think there was like a um, there's like a sign request, and he picks it up. And he said, I think, I, I forget exactly what he said. He said, I think somebody once wrote, this is the worst song I ever wrote. <laughs> and then he did the song. And uh, just <laughs> on an acoustic guitar. Um, which, you, you gotta love his sense of humor there. Have you seen the Fire Saga? No, the, the documentaries about the Fire Festival? Will Ferrell. No, the Will Ferrell movie about the Univi- Eurovision. Oh, no, no, no. I have not. <laughs> so him and his, uh, this, his best friends uh, are this weird band uh you know finnish band like very finnish band i think they're icelandic and they yeah icelandic sorry Basic one of those white countries right and uh they're like playing the local bar and they're like hey we're gonna play a new song and a guy in the back of the bar like breaks a beer bottle and it's like no <laughs> play ya ya ding dong which is like their big like local favorite song and they all like to dance to it but it's like this big blue collar guy and i just love the idea that it sound check bruce is like i'm gonna play uh queen of the supermarket <laughs> <laughs> just revolt it's like the rites of spring. Yeah, <laughs> they set the theater on fire. That is really funny. You, you think you're getting bored to run, but you're actually getting queen of the supermarket. Yeah. Oh god. Um. So yeah, th- this song. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't explain it. I can't. And like, not unlike what you said about a lot of this is like, I love it. I can't defend it, but I do love it. I do like how melodramatic the background vocals are. Like the background vocals of this song are a whole genre. Of like uh, music now, yeah. It, it's he's. I think he's trying to like create a, a pet sound sort of vibe to this here. Um, yeah, with the orchestration, like it's it's big for what for what the song is about. This is big orchestration. Like he's he's pulling out all the stops about Queen of the Supermarket, and maybe that's that's part of it too. It's just like it feels so. And I I think there were some reviewers who basically said like this song is so far up its own ass, and I I think <laughs> it's I think it's meant to be ironic, but it is. I mean like the strings and the swelling and it's, it's about the, it's the queen of the supermarket. So the, the story behind this though, is that, that different than like the song about that. What's the song about the lady with the baby that he wants to marry and save? Oh, I want to marry you. Yeah. I want to marry you. Right. <laughs> also, I want to marry and save you. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not unlike that, you know, I guess it's also not unlike outlaw Pete, like this really super up and tone ass melodramatic, you know, it's the theme. Yeah. Working on a dream too, you know. Roy Orbison is shit, you know. <laughs> well, it just goes to show you know you, what like... I would love to hear is, um, oh, what's his name? The Lone Ranger guy. Oh, what's his name? The musician. The Lone Ranger. The cowboy. He's got the who who covers his face with the Lone Ranger mask. Orville Peck. With tassels. Yeah, Orville Peck, covering Queen of the Supermarket. That'd be great. I'd, that I'd... would be incredible. I think an Orville Peck full like track to track cover of this entire album would be totally worthless. That would to. be really good. That would redeem the record. I think so. So uh, the story yeah. behind this is when whole foods stores started popping up all over New Jersey, Bruce made some jokes about how it seemed like people didn't really want to shop so much as they wanted to have like a sexual encounter at a supermarket <laughs> because of how, I guess because of how it's laid out and how enthusiastic people were about the existence of whole foods. 
Uh, so it's kind of a novelty song, weirdly. And and I, I suppose you could wedge it into the theme of the album, like another love song about hope argument. You know, like love songs are ultimately about hope and this album is about hope. But but I'm not sure that's a super strong argument. It, it seems like Bruce just put it here for the hell of it. And yeah. which, again, is, is part of the, like, yeah, one of the reasons why this album kind of confuses people is because it doesn't it does not feel cohesive. Like the four songs that we've talked about so far are pretty disjointed from one another. Well, it's a concept album in that each song is a concept song. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. I mean, it's, it's not like. I mean, I hate to even compare it to this. It's. It's not like listening to Meatloaf. It's like these songs feel <laughs> very, like, big and self-important. But it's about going to Whole Foods. You um, know. Speaking of uh, melodramatic sort of '90s songs, like uh, I mean, Hootie and the Blowfish and Nello songs. Uh, let's move on to what love can do. There's a pillar in the temple. I love this song. This is the strongest song on the album. It's the best. Yeah. It, it's the best of this album. <laughs> yeah. It also coincidentally could have like fit on a couple of your favorite records from the same time period. <laughs> well, it, it's it's the album that came clo- most close to the end of the Magic Sessions. Yeah. And and it shows. So basically, yeah. And I mean, no kidding. Like this song was in contention for Magic as it is recorded here, and it was just too too optimistic. My lucky day. I think My Lucky Day is closer to being uh, – I mean, this one literally was almost on Magic, but I think My Lucky Day sounds more like a Magic song. Yeah, well, and, and they both they both have – I mean, and not coincidentally, those are the two best songs on this album. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, that's – This could be a Counting Crows song. Uh, it's, it's a this little too fast-paced. Like August and everything after. It is a little bit too fast-paced to be – like it, it, it. it's a little too propulsive to be a Counting Crows song. Counting Crows are a little bit more right. like we're on our third joint. Um, <laughs> melt like chilled out, and th- this is a little bit more um, kind of forward motion type song. But it, it the dominant True. theme here is love wins, and it is right. very much in in line with I think what Bruce is trying to basically say. Like we're trying to rebuild a a house of love, as it were. And so he's basically like, look, we spent we, we spent the last eight years letting fear and hatred and um, ignorance like drive the the bus, and it's not working. So maybe we can. Uh, try a new strategy and maybe we can try and re- reconstruct stuff um, with maybe we can try and rebuild all the stuff that we destroyed using love and compassion and kindness. And so I freaking love this song. I, this, this is, this, this is you the also, crown jewel of this album in my opinion. Yeah. And, and you love a song where the tambourine snare drum and acoustic guitar are all playing the same thing. And the, the lead singer is like stanza and the guitar player is like, and then the lead singer is like stanza and the guitar player is like, <laughs> well, I really love that's the uh, that's like your because that's what music was doing when you were a Baylor. Right. <laughs> well, and I, I really love the um, the, the guitar riff. Um, but like during the bridge, the like I think that's a really good. I just really like it. It's it's really pleasing. But you don't like the guitar riff on from working on a dream, which is like the same genre of guitar riff. It's not about genre. It's about. I mean, quite frankly, I think Bruce writes a really good pop song, and I think Magic and yeah. and this album 
when they're at their best are, are when they're delivering pop songs. I think that's what I think that's why you bring Brandon O'Brien. I mean, not pop pop, but like rock pop, and like um, in, yeah, in the like basically what what did you hire Brandon O'Brien for? You wanted him to make you like a like Bruce Springsteen version of a Pearl Jam right. record, like like a Yield or yeah. or something like that. And and we got that Heavy with pop. the Rising, and we got that with Magic. And for some reason here, we're kind of it more or less not really fulfilling that promise. But this song fully fulfills that promise. You know. Speaking of a shimmery, reverby uh, rock and roll song, This Life. Track six, This Life. high on it in our ratings you gave it like two and a half i think it's like four and a half song this is like a really tight song i'd say really like you can hear Bruno o'brien's work on here too you know like it's really uh evident yeah i probably i probably didn't rate it as high as it should be i i mean this again i, I think a lot of these songs would benefit from a retracking of this record I, I think i think there are ways to to make the 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 lesser the the minor songs pop a little bit more and I just don't think yeah. it's tracked in such a way because I think from here, pretty much through the until you get to the last carnival, there's a lot of just stuff that is easy to forget is even on this album, you know. And I think a a, yeah. a reshuffling of the track list would have helped with that a lot. And I think this song is one of the ones that kind of suffers from that. I think this is this is a pretty this is an okay song, and it feels like it was probably the song he was listening to when he picked the album cover. It feels very starry, you know, like yeah. night sky. Man, I gotta tell you, anytime that somebody like paints a picture of the universe exploding into existence and then compares that like to the sort of futility, but also hope of life. <laughs> uh, I'm just on the floor crying. <laughs> yeah. So this is, this is all me right here, you know? Well, and, and like the beach boys could be the band, you know? <laughs> so. Oh, very much. I mean, again, yeah, this is like, there's a lot of stuff here. It's like, man, he was listening to a lot of Brian Wilson and Roy Orbison <laughs> these days. Yeah. It's got like, some, it's kind of got some Dennis Wilson vibes where it's like, it's like sad, happy, <laughs> like hanging out with the Manson family. <laughs> God, do, how often do you go back and listen to that record, though? The Dennis Wilson record? Yeah. Never. <laughs> I've never serious? listened to the Dennis Wilson record. Dude, after listening to uh, You Must Remember This that you told me to listen to. Yeah. I, and like her describing the record cover and then me and April went back and uh, we were just like driving through Texas for forever. Yeah, uh, that's called Texas. One, one, yeah, one summer we were just like we went to visit every single person. We uh, ate breakfast with y'all in um, one of those towns in Keller around Hearst or whatever Keller. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like we saw everyone we knew in Texas, and we listened to you must remember this, and just and then we just listened to that Brian Wilson record a ton. Uh, I don't know why it's a really sad. Right. The, it's Den- not a sad the Dennis record. Wilson record? It is, yeah, but it's a sad record if you know about it. If you know like what a terrible state he was in mentally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like girls just want to have the happy song until a guy sings it. You know, it's like that. It's like Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this life it, it definitely has a has a big Beach Boys vibe to it. It's I, I think it's fine. Like I, I don't this is one of those that like I'm like, I don't hate it, but I don't often remember that it exists. So Dude, I'm about this song. Yeah, 
but it is good. Like as as I like yesterday when I was listening to this album and just trying to like refresh this, every time it's on, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, this is life. It's good. And then I then I move on with my life. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty good. I, I would I would put this in the in the middle tier of of this album. Stuff that I I like. It's fine. I I don't think about it very often. You literally gave it a two point five, which so is exactly yeah. in the middle, right? Like I don't it's hate the it. Exact. Don't love it. Yeah. Um, so then we've got your a song you raved about, which is track seven, which is Good Eye. I just think it's so funny. It's like so dramatic. He's got his vocals running through a harmonica mic. Yeah, I always love that. You know, yeah, love. Uh, I remember the first time I saw, or the only time I saw STP and Scott Allen singing through a mic. You know, singing through the megaphone, and I was like, yes. And everything I recorded for the next like three or four years, I have like just the just the. I didn't practice singing, so I could just put these scratchy, scratchy vocals on. You know, <laughs> like. <laughs> I love that singing through a harmonica mic with a megaphone or whatever, you know. Yeah. So what do you what do you like about the song? Talk about like what is what what does this song do for you? Uh, I don't know, man. It's just uh, <laughs> it's the blues, dude. It's the blues. It's like the blues is like what's the saddest thing you could possibly think about? Um, uh, it's like, everything that's happening right now in the world. <laughs> yeah. Had my good eye of the dark and my blind eye of the sun. So yeah, basically, like the, the whole concept of the song is basically like we have the power to do good and we have the power to do evil. We have a good eye and we have a bad eye. And Bruce says he's trying to train his good eye to you know. So like yeah. that's the idea. And I mean, again, it's right in line with the theme of the record. The theme of the record is like we're um, we're turning a corner. We're able to make better decisions. Part of that is reckoning with our past. Part of that is reckoning with the fact that we're all capable of of evil and darkness, and we're all capable of of hurting other people. And when we think that we're not, that's when we, that's when we really start doing some some real damage, I think, probably. And so I think he's acknowledging those things with the song. Like my, my problem with most of this album is not the lyrics. It, like the lyrics of this, this album are solid from top to bottom. It, it really is other than working on a dream. But um, it, and Outlaw Pete, I, I mean, even Outlaw Pete, I, I understand. Well, yeah, I guess Outlaw Pete. Um, but. But yeah, so this song, like lyrically, I think this song is is good. I just like musically, it it just leaves me unmoved. Yeah, I guess it could be like a blues traveler song or whatever. Yeah, I mean, and well, he's trying something. And saying again, that makes me saying that makes me like I might have to revise my rating for this song. I'll I was gonna say, it. did just saying that make you lose a point in the song? <laughs> I just, it just got dark in here. You just talk yourself out of liking this song. <laughs> yeah, I think I did. Yikes. Um. Well, do you, do you have anything else you want to say about Good Eye? Uh, no, I need to think about it. I've I've very little in, in the next few songs. I just have so, such little to say. Um, I say that the next one's okay. So uh, track eight is tomorrow never never. Sorry, tomorrow never knows. Where the cold wind blows, tomorrow never knows. Where your sweet smile goes, tomorrow.
This, I think this is one of the better songs on the record. This is a good song. Yeah, it's a very good song. It's small. It's folky. Uh, it, this could have been on Devils and Dust, quite frankly. This could have been one of the brighter songs on Devils and Dust. It's, you know, it's got that sort of like riding around in the back of a pickup truck kind of feel to it. Yeah, it could also totally be like a Bright Eyes song if Connor Ebers sang it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of folk uh, musicians I could hear like doing this, doing a pretty interesting version of this song. I just love like the really twee, plucky. Uh, mandolin, you know. Yeah. So this is this is one of at least three songs here on this record that kind of all say the same thing, which is we only have today, and so we're we're trying we're trying to sort of reckon with like the, the present tense of life. It's an acknowledgement that all we are guaranteed is today. Like this life does that. Tomorrow never knows does that. And in a couple of songs, we're going to talk about Kingdom of Days, which also does that. Um, and then really you could argue that surprise, surprise also does that. So like that, that, that seems to be a thing he's really like leaning into pretty hard. Um, now it, it is kind of interesting to pair this song with Outlaw Pete. Like I, like, again, if you're retracking the album, I think this would have been an interesting sort of double feature with Outlaw Pete because Outlaw Pete is about how the things from the past, um, uh, force us to reckon with like all the things that came before right now, this, this moment. Yeah. And this song is saying, and tomorrow is an unknown variable. So yesterday is like all the baggage and stuff that we have to st- like still kind of deal with and, and reckon with and carry with us. But tomorrow is still sort of a blank page. And now we live in, in between those two spaces. We live in the, the liminal space between yesterday and tomorrow. And we're trying to figure out what, what like, what are the implications, like with all of that being true at the same time, what, what does all that mean? So like, I think yeah. if you pair Outlaw Pete with this, it gives you an opportunity to really sort of reflect inside that space. Um, but again, like I, I, I think I think this this album is is poorly tracked, and so so we're not really given the opportunity to reckon with those ideas in tandem. Um, but but the, this the album is in a lot of ways, or in a lot of ways, deals with every dimension of time, we, and and it kind of brings each one into focus in its own way. So when the album is at its best, it's calling into how we how we think about time and how we think about our our role in each of those three dimensions of time: the past, the present, and the future. Yeah, um, and I think this song kind of gets at like, yeah, right now, tomorrow never knows. Like we, we have there's very little that we know about. Or, I mean, t- tomorrow, re- and I mean, re- living through a pandemic, we're really getting a, a honest to god taste of this. Which is like, there's so much about what whatever's supposed to come next that we don't know. Like we keep trying to make plans and they keep having to be changed because we don't know what's yeah. happening. So we're, we're sort of forced to live in the present. And I think that's one of the things that Bruce is inviting us to do here. So um, in a hopeful way and not yeah, a when people reschedule things, I just think, Oh, that's so cute. That's yeah. So hopeful. Yeah. Just looking forward to seeing you reschedule that again. Yep. Anyway, like, what are you doing next month? Nothing. We're going to the month after that. Nothing. <laughs> now, sonically JB, I, I, again, I feel like we're sort of all over the place here because like, I, like this song pairs okay with what love can do and um, lucky my lucky day, but I feel like it so does not sound like it should be on the same album as this life and good eye. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It's not super far from this life. It's pretty far from good eye. Yeah, good eye is out of place. Good eye could go. Good eye could go. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't hate good eye as a as a song, and or even like on the album. I just, I, just, I feel like. You need to like, like sonically. I'm just used to Bruce being a lot more consistent, you know. And I yeah. like, and he he's just not here. And it really does feel like it was sort of pieced together on the road. Like they didn't, unlike all the other albums that the E Street Band has made up to this point, this one wasn't made like in a concentrated like we're all going to get together and we're going to hammer these out and we're going to sort of like. I mean, he he threw these songs together between tour dates. 
And also, by the way, Danny Federici dies in the middle of them doing all these things. So, like, he's got a lot going on. And he's probably, I don't think, and and, I mean, I I can't imagine, even Bruce being the genius that he is, I can't imagine doing three and a half hour long shows every night, traveling from city to city, running a business while you're doing it all, and then also trying to construct a follow-up album to the one that you're currently promoting. You know, like, you could almost argue that, like, This Life, Tomorrow Never Knows, Life Itself, and Kingdom of Days maybe even surprise, surprise are all just like sort of Bruce with the energy of the magic, trying to write the pop, the tight pop hit, you know, to, to turn in, you know, yeah, to maybe. Brendan, to, to turn into like a master. They're all kind of similar in that vein, but they're not, you know, none of them quite sound the same. Well, besides, uh, besides uh, life itself and game of days, they sound very similar. But... Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Well then let, let's move on to that. Yeah. Let's, let, let's talk about life itself. Yeah, Life Itself is nice. You know, it's fun. It could it could very much be a Counting Crows song. No, it's again, it's too propulsive. Like Counting, like. <laughs> okay, but it's got like the weird what's his face, uh, you know, melody. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what that Counting Crows. Song I was gonna like. say, I, I, have you listened to Counting Crows? <laughs> I, and that uh, record, Slippery When Wet, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't really know what to say about life itself. In fact, I'm looking at my notes, and like this is the only song that there's nothing written under the song. Like I just, I have no I thoughts on this. I it's, couldn't find any notes for this song. Um, I just, I mean, it, it, it again, it, it is. I, I, I skipped it a second ago when I was sort of listing all the songs that are about like living in the present tense and trying to be fully present. I mean, this is obviously another one of those songs. So again, it just feels like Bruce is saying the same thing over and over and over again, which in the past he's tended to resist. You know, like he he has he has previously cut songs that were really good from other albums because they were repetitive of the theme of other songs that were already on that record you know and so it's weird that here he has like this one he just keeps drilling down on this one single idea and it does make me wonder like i mean bruce is seriously dealing with his own mortality like from devils and dust yeah through um through magic and into this like one of the things that you can definitely say up to this point at least is that Bruce is reckoning with the fact that he's getting older, his kids are about to like start leaving home, and he's trying... Well, this is a very... Med- you said it's repetitive. It's No, it's med- I think it's much more meditative. I just got the weirdest sense of deja vu. I feel like... I, th- I think we had this exact conversation. <sighs> we did. I think we did. But that's okay. I'm not, I, and I literally don't have notes for this, so I can tell you that I'm not reading my notes right now. No, yeah. I think, I had, but- look, I had an incredible day today where I was just like... Um, you know, like, I got finally got, like, the right... Uh, or at least the best so far combination of like medicine and exercise and meditation. And I had to take my kid to work with me and we recently got into a switch. So he's like telling me about all the cool stuff he's learning on it. And, um, and I got some stuff done and we got to like take public transportation, which he was super excited about. And everybody on it was really safe to get, you know, some coffee cause nice. he wanted something. And then like some squirrels tried to steal his donut and then, 
we rode to the doctor's office and went home. And it was like this incredible day uh, where we were just totally present with each other, even though like I was working and he was doing his own thing. We're just together. And it was like life itself washing over me. I remember driving on the way home thinking like, this is a day I will always remember. And uh, it feels like it's washing over me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think it's some magical song, but I think it captures a really sweet spot. You know, where it's just like, you know what? The whole thing so far has been worth it for this. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and, and that's, again, like, I'm, I'm fully on board with the sentiment. I just like, as an album, as a, as a work of art, I, I feel like, I feel like this was, this was something that maybe needed a little bit more time. You know, I think fun to think of is like it's a it's Bruce trying to write a The Cure song. Yeah. Or like a The Smith song. This life sounds like it could have been a Smith song. Yeah. Well, and these are kind of one and the same, you know. I mean, that's the yeah, that's not the same. Kingdom of Days. Yeah, I, yeah, uh, let's, yeah. Track ten, t- Kingdom of Days. Again, it's about time, and, and that what we have can only be measured in, in the days that we spend together. It's, I mean, quite frankly, this song, and I think this is one of the, the stronger songs on the record, too. Uh, this is a little bit reminiscent of If We Were Vampires, which I love, by Jason Isbell. Oh, you know? It's one of the best songs ever written, dude. It uh, really is. If We Were Vampires and Life Was a Joke, we'd stand on the sidewalk and smoke, uh, laughing at the lovers and their plans. We wouldn't even feel the need to hold hands or whatever. Like... <laughs> Yeah, the, just the idea that like love is great because we die. Like that's what Pete Holmes always says. Like cake is delicious because you're gonna because die. You know you're gonna die. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's the in, in if we were vampires, the refrain of it's knowing that we, this can't go on forever. Um, it's likely one of us will have to spend some days alone. And like that, you know, sort of the 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 very bittersweet rec- recognition of like the thing that we have is special because of the limitations of because like, maybe we'll get 40 years together. Yeah. And then like at best case scenario, we'll get 40 years together. Oh, so can I tell you the sweetest story? Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Please tell me the sweetest story. Eyes now. No, no, no. Go ahead. <laughs> you just looked at your microphone and went, Oh, <laughs> by all means, let's stop talking about this record. Like you trying tell me to a story. remember if there was weed in your house. Like, let's, there's uh... not for sure. There's not, but, Right, I know, but I'm trying to make a joke. No, 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 that's but good. It was a bad. It was a really bad. No, joke. I, j- I, I just know that I, I don't know who listens to this, and I just want to say You're for heard. the record, definitively, there is not. Uh, too many police. You, first of all, you have to say if you're a police. Uh, anyway, yes. I called my grandparents the other day, and it was like 8:30, and I knew good and well they'd been awake since 4:30, and uh, asked them what they were doing, and you know what they were doing? They were married damn near 60 years. They had they were just snuggling in bed and talking. <laughs> And I was like, oh, that's got to be a goal right there. That's adorable. You know, like, I want to spend my life with my family, and I think it would be a lot easier if I tried to do those kinds of things instead of, like, trying to find time for myself, you know? And uh, I don't know, life itself, washing over me. Oh, no. Kingdom of Days. Kingdom of Days. Yeah, well, no, it's all the same. It's talking it's, about, it like, is all the I, same. I mean, yeah, that, that is my complaint about this record. Know, this life, what love can do, you know? My lucky day. 
Tom's just slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Yeah. That, I mean, and, and really, like, that's that is my complaint. That's why all these songs are forgettable is because, like, it, they're all they're five songs that are all about the same thing. And like it, and it the song, the album begins with, like, hope and optimism and we're going to build a better thing. And like and he just like camps out so long on all we have is right now, which, again, I fully I fully love that, that sentiment. I want more art about like capturing the present moment and learning to be fully present. But what I don't want is I don't want five songs all stacked up next to each other by one of the greatest songwriters who ever lived that are all trying to say the same basic thing, you know? Well, now let me let me run a theory by you. All right. What was the point of the last record, the, of Magic? The point of the last, ma- well, I mean, we did the, the whole episode. Right, no, just give me, give me five words summary. All right, the point of the last record was... Um, Reckoning with our role in a story about frustration, systemic injustice, and um, ba- basically raging ag- raging against a system that is hurting people. Yeah. Was it? All right. So that's absolutely right. I was looking for uh, like just sort of a, a, a meditation on the fact that he has been trying to put this forward in the plainest English possible for like the past 30 years <laughs> and no one's listening. Like we're still dealing with the same shit. Right. And so maybe and we talked about this with the new Avid Brothers record that is just like on the nose, man. Well, the next album, he gets very on the nose. Like we, we right. take care of our own is a lecture. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that's what um, and that's what I'm saying here is like maybe he is. This is just because it's not as profound. We don't think about it that way. But like maybe he is just like repeating himself because that's what he thinks he has to do now. Well, and I mean, quite frankly, there's enough good stuff on this album that if the choices were, he puts the album out as it is, or he doesn't release this at all because he doesn't feel that the content is strong enough. I would prefer him release this and stay on the tour, which is what he did. than be like, well, I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep workshopping it for a couple of years. And maybe, maybe this will become an album later on down the line. Like I'm glad what happened happened. I just like, as I'm looking at it, if I'm evaluating it as a piece of art, like my, my, my major frustrations with it are like, I wish more of it. I I wish there was more to talk about here. And it just feels like once you've gotten through tomorrow, never knows and life itself and kingdom of days, I'm a little bit bored because I feel like we've already said everything there is to say. There's nothing new, interesting to say really. You know what I mean? And then, well, I say that. So then let's get to track 11, which is surprise, surprise. another really tight pop rock song yeah and and again the theme is every day is a gift today is your birthday we've yeah. traveled so far you know like it's um it's very simple and it's very very big pretty like the the production is not unlike queen of the supermarket it's like this is a big production for basically like a birthday song yeah uh life's a struggle but today's your birthday so we're gonna make the best of it surprise open your eyes here's a cake we're gonna drink on top of it yeah <laughs> which they do this song, yeah, and th- this is one obviously one of the happier songs on the record. 
I don't have anything else to say about this song. The song is so basic. Well, then let's yeah. talk about the two sadder songs on the record. Well, I was going to say, that, I mean, he's, he really does kind of save the best for last. So track 12 is The Last Carnival. Sundown, sundown, fatiguing all the tents down. Wave you come, my handsome Billy. Sundown, sundown, the carnival trains live down. Wave you now. Darling Billy, we won't be dancing together on the highway, facing the lions with you at my side anymore. I I know I said what love can do is my favorite song on the album. The last carnival I think is the most powerful song on the album, and it's because it's the most personal. It's it's uh, this is the song he wrote in memorial um of in memory of Danny Federici, the longtime E Street organ player and key, keyboardist so uh an accordion player yeah and so he um so danny died during the magic tour of cancer and so um bruce wrote a song and did the song at danny's memorial service in new jersey and um and yeah i mean the, the song is it's heartbreaking it's so sad and he uses he he borrows a lot of the, the imagery from wild billy circus story from uh, wild the street shuffle and basically makes this a sequel about like yeah this is what happened like this is a song about after billy dies and like the circus has to keep going and we're not gonna you know we're our our adventures have come to an end and it's very sad um but it's so well written i really love it i love the guitar it's just so simple and it's like I do too. just plucked out yeah just good finger picking but not like super, super technical finger picking, just like, you know, the kind of finger picking that anybody can do with three fingers instead of five. Yeah. It's nice. I like this as the final track on the, on the album, too. Like, And, and really, uh, because if the whole album is, if I mean, and I guess, I guess if you wanted to sort of like look at the whole thing and try and craft an arc it begins with outlaw pete the, the opening line is that uh, there was born a little baby on the appalachian trail and so like it begins with the birth of a person and then like and the, but and the album ends with the death of a person and so it does yeah. like the album does sort of have that sunrise to sunset kind of feel to it we're not counting the, the wrestler because it's a bonus track but well and it starts with a big loud unsuspecting life yeah, and ends with a big, loud, uh, like a, a quiet send off of a big, loud, unsuspecting life. Yeah, so I do think. So, oh, good. The, the oh, I forgot the word I was gonna say. I, I couldn't think of it. Never mind. So, so yeah, I, I do think there is there is something profound about what Bruce is trying to say here about the structure that he's trying to create. So all my complaints are. I mean, they are what they are, and I stand by them. But at the same time, I respect, like, looking at this song as the bookend to what the album does, I, I think there could have been, I think he could have tracked it better. I think there could have been some some shuffling. There could have been some substitutions made, probably. But overall, I, I think what he's saying here is interesting, which is, yeah, we have a life, and your life has a beginning, it has a middle, and has an end. it has an end. Most of it is the middle. Which could also be said about this album. And like yeah. Maybe this album is this is the middle. Of... This is the middle. This is the middle. This is the middle. And I mean, maybe that's why this this album is so like tightly or like heavily stacked with songs about like appreciating every day and like that all you have is now because like life is like most of life is filled up filled up with like days where you don't really like have big plans, you know, and you're not really 
moving the ball forward as as well as you think you should be, or like you're you don't feel like you're making big accomplishments. And so maybe what he's trying to say is like, yeah, yeah, most of the middle, even though you're working on a dream, so to say, so to speak, you're also like mo- a lot of your days are going to be spent like getting the mail and you know like <laughs> filing taxes and you know and and doing things that you think of as as things that you just like need to get through. But at the same time, just, that is just finished reading the crooked letter, crooked letter, which is 100 percent about that. <laughs> yeah. But but at, yeah. And so at the, at the same time, it's like, yeah, but that's the, those those are your like that is your life. And so I think that yeah, is dude. that's partially what he's trying to say. But also, I think that's also kind of mixed up in the magic follow up working on a dream like we're trying to build a house of love, all that kind of stuff. So I feel like what he's tr- the, the structure of the album suggests that what he's trying to say is we all only get one life and we should live it as best we can. But yeah. the subtext of it and some of the songs kind of veer away from that and say like, but it's also about America, but not necessarily that like that, that second aspect isn't concentrated on enough to justify the title track. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, well, anyway. yeah, it's, um, look, man, I, I never really liked this record that much. And I listened to it today while I was having this like real special day where I really was there with my kid and it was a totally normal day. Yeah. Where I just did a lot of mundane things, like public transportation or whatever. Like, ugh. but it was just like all through new eyes today. And like, that's what this record's about. It's about like living life and taking what comes at you when you get it, and realizing that you know, don't take yourself too seriously because everything you've learned so far is probably wrong anyway. Yeah, we're all on a journey. We're all learning. We're all students, and you know, we we are born, we live, and we die. Like that is that that is the story of every human being. And this this album is, is trying to, I think, reflect that, yeah, in, in a certain kind of way. And then the bonus track, of course, is the wrestler. Have you ever seen a one-trick pony and feel so happy and free? If you've ever seen a one-trick pony, then you've seen me. Have you ever seen a one-legged dog making his way down the street? Ever seen a one-legged dog? Then you've seen me. Then you've seen me. I come and stand at every door. Which uh, we also were high on. You give it five stars. I give it four. Yeah. It's um. It's super good. Yeah. I, I don't know if it really fits. Well, I mean, I guess. I mean, honestly, I, I realize he threw it on as a bonus track because he wrote the song for a film. Uh, and, and the song was written that after the album was released. Man, this is a dirge. Right, after the album was finished. Yeah, and so he, he wrote he wrote the song for the, the film of the same name, starring Mickey Rourke, uh, directed by Darren Aronofsky. Um, I think this album would be better if they had, even though he wrote the song after this, this album had been recorded, if he had gone back in and said, like, look, I've got this done. We're going to put it on the record anyway. Let's retrack it. Let's put this somewhere in the middle. Because I think... I think this I think this album needs something like this in the middle of it. You know what I mean? Like between Tomorrow Never Knows and Good Eye or or Kingdom of Days or you know what trade I mean? Trade it out for Good Eye. Trade it out for Good Eye. Or I mean put it between trade it out for Surprise Surprise or um you know what I mean? Like so if if it comes after Kingdom of Days, it that that might be an interesting kind of pairing. You know, like Kingdom of Days, yep. yeah, but sometimes you feel like a one-trick pony and like both of it you know, you, you could pair them together in, in an interesting way or something like that. I, I think there are places where you could put the song that it would elevate the, the message of the whole album. And I, again, I realized like, it had to be on there as a bonus track because of all sorts of like other issues going on um, in, in, in the production aspects. But um, I don't know. I, I, I think 
I think if you if he were to do a reissue of this album, it would not be a bad idea to find a, a new home for the song somewhere mid album. I don't know. Yeah. You know, because I do think it's it's one of the stronger songs here, and I think like Last Carnival and The Wrestler are two of the best songs on the record, and they're the two last songs that you hear. And I think I think you want to get to at least one of those earlier. Uh, yo, Spotify just put My Hometown on right after The Wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a bad way to go. That's a very good song. Yeah. That's a great follow up to The Wrestler. They yeah, just it is. like, yeah. Whew. All right, chills, so let, let's do final thoughts. Overall, I mean, I think we've we've been saying it this whole time. I think there's there's a lot here that's good. I and my two main problems are the track list seems to be a little bit disjointed, and some of the songs seem just a little bit not that memorable to me. Um, yeah, a Bruce Springsteen album is supposed to take you on a journey and give you all kinds of new ways of thinking and feeling about yourself and the world around you, and with a couple of exceptions, this album does not really do that as much as uh, most of his other albums, in my opinion. Yeah. So those are those are my final thoughts. Yeah, man. I, I think that um I don't know, listening to it in any light today a bunch, it was it was pretty great. Um, did you turn your good I eye mean, towards it? Yeah, I did. I, I trained my good eye on it. Good. You know, I'm a I'm a four point you know almost a four point one. You're definitely overall. stronger on this album than me, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you're three and a half or three and point eight or whatever. Yeah. And it is propped up. Um, my, my average rating is propped up by uh, the the handful of songs that I, I'm really positive on. Um, like yeah, what love can do, track. and uh, yeah, the wrestler, last carnival. So that was working on a dream. Yeah, we did it. Um, if, it if this is your favorite album, and you are deeply disappointed with our review of it, uh, sorry. Um, I'm really glad you I liked it. I, I understand if it's your favorite album now. Um, Good. I used to not. I, I mean, just, let me just tell you, though, if this is your favorite album, I could not be more jealous. When I bought this record, I wanted it to be my new favorite wanted album. wanted it to be your favorite I've never, I have never wanted to love an album so bad and not loved it. Um, like, I tried hey, so hard to love this album. We are going to talk about a bunch of albums that I tried really hard to love and could not until later mm. on our bonus episode today. Okay. Uh, top ten or top five records from the, the aughts. Yes. Uh, so if you are a patron, go check out the patron feed. We're going to be talking top aughts songs. Uh, and if you're not a patron, consider checking it out. We give uh, half the money to No Kid Hungry. And uh, it helps support the show. But, you know, it's you know got some bonus content out there. So check yeah. it out. And then uh, we'll be off next week because we're switching decades, kind of. And then, yep. uh, then the week after that, we'll be back and we're going to talk about disc one of The Promise. So um, you have that, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, we definitely talked about that, all right? So, yeah. Yeah, we're getting into it. Yeah, yeah. we're going to talk about Disc One of the Promise uh, in two weeks, so you can come back and join us for that. And until then, I'm Rob, that's JB, and we'll see you all in the bonus feed. Yeah.